Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Yo! This is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Frankie, what's going on, bud? Greg, what's going on here? I only hear myself on one side of my ear. There you I, go. I hear you. All good. Whatever. I have to figure it out during the break. Yeah, no big deal. Doing alright. Wednesday. Fantasy baseball talk, Greg. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I've, I was texting you late last night. Trying to get ready for some fantasy baseball talk. Very excited. Speaking of fantasy baseball, shout out has to go to our BFF Michael Floria. Oh, absolutely. He had the. Well, I, no, I think we should give ourselves a shout out. Oh, we what, collectively. One third of it, yes, of course. No, Two thirds. No, we won the award. Oh, you're right. Two thirds. What do you mean? We, we won the award. We, we won two thirds of the award. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. He wrote the Blake Snell article when he was with us, Greg. 100%. That, was, that means under the tutelage of, of his BFFs. Yes. With the emotional support of his BFFs. Yes. We were there to cheer him on in the background while he's looking up his Blake Snell heat maps. Mostly I was hating on him at the time. <laughs> but I encouraged, but How my the hell hatred, are you going to draft Blake Snell, Mike? <laughs> my hatred drove him to write the Fantasy Baseball Article of the Year according to the FSWA. Mike Florio, an FSWA award winner. Absolutely. Shout out to Mikey. Congrats. That's freaking awesome, man. Job well done. May 2019 be the year of Frank. <laughs> Probably not. Oh, why not, man? You're going to nail it this year. I feel good about it. All right. I have to figure something You know, I got to start writing in order to, to win well, the yeah. article of the year. Right. <laughs> because we know the BFFs ain't getting any love. Probably not. What's a haters? But we have Florio. So good job, Mikey. Uh, we love it. And by the way, if you want to see who Florio is projecting as this year's Blake Snell, check out his Patreon right now. I believe he has an article up, and he's got a couple of potential candidates that can be this year's Blake Snell. One guy in particular. So check it out. Mike Florio has tweeted out. He's got a Patreon. I don't know where we're allowed to advertise that, but I'm doing it anyway because my BFF. I don't care. Check out my Florio's Patreon for that. Cool. Definitely. What's up, Greg? You had your sleep last night. It's a great last night, Frank. Me? I did not. It was my best sleep in weeks, to be Why honest with that? you. Why is that? Because Judy didn't have a coughing attack while I'm trying to sleep, which is what happened. Did you do anything different before you went to bed last night? Oh, no, no. She was very kind and went to bed like an hour before me. So by the time I went to bed, she would be sleeping so she wouldn't be coughing. And I went to bed and I slept like a baby. It was awesome. Now, is Judy a light sleeper, heavy sleeper? She's a very, very heavy sleeper. Okay. So she can sleep through... Hurricane, Tornado, a hurricane, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going on outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you? Very light. Very, very light. I wake up for anything. Here's the problem, Greg. Yeah. Inga wakes up in the middle of the night. She tries to cuddle. In the middle of the night? In the middle of the night. You're sleeping. It's tough, man. 
It's, is that a joke? She's a big time cuddle. And it's rough, man. So so for we do, like, we'll do like the, the cuddle before we go and to I'll bed. Wake, and I'll wake up and there's like, there's an inch on my side of the bed and there's like three feet on hers. What a joke. So I actually feel like I get pretty mad at her in the middle of the night. Like, get the fuck. <laughs> get off my side of the bed. <laughs> I, I get pretty angry. Oh my God, do you get animated? Oh my God. <laughs> so for me, like Judy and I will cuddle, right? And then basically she goes her way. I go my way. That's, that's, that's the best way to do it. And that's it. Sometimes she steals covers, so I just like angrily grab them. That's about it. She, she, we have our size. Bones awesome. hit the dump button. <laughs> we need that dump Whoopsie. button. Whoopsie. The voters have to put a bleep in the, uh, on the man. Frankie. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Got a little animated. Got animated. I didn't sleep well last night. I was, you know, I had to be here a little bit earlier you, today. You so, think, you know, I'm you not think, a morning person, Greg. Do you think that? Nothing. You yelling I, at I, me to get out of bed because we were traveling to work together today as well. I didn't ask you to be here at like a So, crack. I'm reading about the Tobias Harris trade. I didn't ask bed. you to be here at the crack of dawn. I know, but I'm still just not a morning guy. It was about like 50 minutes earlier than normal. <laughs> it wasn't like, I didn't ask you to do anything crazy. Yeah. And you said, you immediately said, yeah, no problem. Yeah, that was awesome. Okay. All right, we're going to talk about some starting pitchers that, are, that have changed places today, Greggy. So, Three in particular. So basically, Frankie and I were going back and forth last night about what we want to talk about. What the hell about. did we talk about? Right. That's what we're trying to figure out. Correct. And we came up with loads of ideas that we're going to really go over over the next couple of weeks. Like, we're going to get into your first round breakdown. Because we haven't even talked about that yet, right? Like, how the first round's going this year. Yeah, I'm probably going to do that without you. That's fine. But like, we as we a, do it a little bit when we get back. Like, we as a show are going to do, like, a first round breakdown. And then we're going to the second round. And then, of course... As we get deeper into February, we'll both have our rankings, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about all these guys. We're going to talk about guys that have had good luck, guys that have had bad luck, guys that are hype guys and guys that should be hype guys, young players, veterans. We have a whole list of stuff we want to get into, and now is the time to get into it. And I'm super, super excited about it. Uh, the more baseball research I've done, like, I, I kind of want to do best ball. I never do best ball. So it's like, I'm watching Frank do uh, his second one of the year. And I'm like, oh my god, like, your team's awesome. And I'm feeling it. And I'm, um, I just had my fifth round pick. Do you, would you like to know who it is? Yeah, Greg? we'll tell, just, tell us the first, first four to everybody well, else. I had the sixth pick in the draft out of 12 people. Fantrax, they run these best ball leagues. Uh, they have different kind of payout structures. They have ones where if you finish in the top half of the league, you basically just double your money. So if it's a $10 league, you'll win $20. Very similar to a cash game kind of mindset. And then they also have these leagues where it's, uh, where it's 12 teams, and I believe it's a first and second place prize where first... You know, if you spend ten dollars for the league, you win like a hundred, and in second place, you'll you'll get like double your money back, like twenty bucks or whatever it is. Uh, so they have these really cool best ball leagues over on Fan Tracks. I had the sixth overall pick in this draft. To me, having aces that are going to give you solid innings, Greg, is very very important in best ball leagues. So with the sixth pick, I wanted Max Scherzer. He went one pick before me. Yep, I had a dilemma on my hands whether to take. You know, I was debating between Mets and Red Sox, so never a good decision. But I was debating uh, Jacob DeGrom, Chris Sale, and J.D. Martinez. I ended up taking Jacob DeGrom just because I feel like the innings are a little bit safer than Chris Sale. Maybe that's a little bit unfair because if you look at Chris Sale every year before last year, yep. he's well over 200 innings. Mm-hmm. But last year it was 159. Let's worry about the wiry frame a little bit. I think they're very close. In Roto, I would 100% take Chris Sale because on a per game, uh, on a per start basis, I do think he's better than Jacob DeGrom. But I trust Jacob DeGrom a little bit more for the innings. So I took him in the first round, came back. Took Giancarlo Stanton in the second round because you do need five outfielders to start in these leagues. Uh, in the third round, I took Blake Snell. Michael Florio's breaks Blake Snell. The fourth round, I took Javi Baez because uh, the second base position is a little bit shallow this year. And in the, the fifth round, 
came back and I took our guy, Greg, A. Eugenio Suarez. He's a fifth round round pick this year, huh? It might be a little bit early, but I thought there was kind of a drop off after him. So, okay. I I wanted either him or Rendon. I wanted one of those guys as my third. Fair enough. Now, Frankie's actually been very much on pitching early this year. He's more on it than I remember you being the last couple of years saying, I got to get a pitcher, I got to get a pitcher, I got to get a pitcher. This isn't something I remember that you were so headstrong about in the past. Because, in my opinion, there are a lot of second-round hitters that have been first-round talent in the past couple of years. So if you can anchor your staff, we, we know that you know there are less and less starting pitchers going 200 innings pitched every single season. The last year had 13 of them, the least in MLB history. Yeah, so you know those anchors, those workhorse uh, starting pitchers, those guys who are going to give you innings, give you really good innings too, uh, they're few and far between. So I really like, you know, I think the cutoff for me is really Verlander. I want to have one of those, you know, top seven, eight starting pitchers, whether it's, you know, Sale, Scherzer, DeGrom, uh, Kluber, Verlander's in that mix. I want one of those guys. And then, you know, maybe I'll wait till the third or fourth round to get my second starting pitcher. But really, I think that you can ex- execute that plan this year more than ever before. Because again, in the second round of drafts this season, there are more prominent hitters, more first round talent type hitters going in the second round this year than ever before. Like you're seeing guys, I got Giancarlo Stanton in the second round. You're getting him in the second. You're getting Aaron Judge in the second round. You're getting Altuve. You're getting Bryce Harper and Machado because they haven't signed. You're getting Paul Goldschmidt because he got off to a slow start last year and he's changed teams. He's no longer in Chase Field. He's now playing in St. Louis with the Cardinals. So there are, uh, there are a lot of first-round caliber talent offensive players that you can get in the second round. So I really like the idea this year of starting uh, with a, a starting pitcher. It's not... It's not like in cement. It's not in stone. I don't have to do that. I think, you know, there are plenty of different ways to win in fantasy baseball. You'd have to hit on some of those mid-round starting pitcher picks. We'll do a show about those guys too, the hype guys. You know, Flaherty and Jameson Tyone, and and we'll talk about Corbin today. A lot of people are on those guys. And if you hit on those guys, you could still win in fantasy baseball. But there's a reason why you got to use a first-round pick on like a Scherzer or a Sale or, or a DeGrom those guys are hard to find. Yeah, I mean, li- listen, uh, I'll point out to my in my league last year where I drafted in the like the 11th and 12th or 12th and 13th, something around that, I, I drafted Corbin and Snell, and I'll point to that as why I won. But my first-round pick was Jacob DeGrom, which is certainly helpful to that. And I was able to uh, make a trade and, and swing a Carlos Carrasco as well. So it's like, I'm with you. Carrasco, you're getting in the third, fourth round this year. It's great value. That's awesome value. And so I am somebody that is completely with you, and I have been long on this track of really buying the pitching. Admittedly, I'm a points league guy. Uh, I'm a head-to-head guy rather than Roto. I have not found my sweet spot with Roto, which is why I have struggled in the past um, in Roto. We're going to do it this year. And, and I'm hoping this year... we have an auction team together that right. we have to run, so we'll talk about auction strategy. Because yeah. We've already found, like, I think two players that we, we kind of like together that we might be targeting. That, so. we, that was what was cool. Yep. That I, What I liked about that, those two guys, we looked at completely separately. Like you they had both found, kind of jumped off the page. You had found them, and, and I was doing some research. Yeah, I, I mean, like, we can reveal them too, and we'll we'll talk about them you know, as the baseball as the fantasy baseball prep season goes on. Tommy Pham and, and so, Rugnet Odor. So when I first started looking at baseball, and I, I was kind of I just looking at some of the things that I I happened to look at, and I was like, Frank, like my crazy is like Tommy Pham, awesome again. You know, like, he's like, oh my god, I am so in on Tommy Pham. Like, all right, that that's awesome. And then about a, a week or two ago, I, I was looking at I don't remember how I got there, but I was looking doing a deep dive, and I kind of stumbled about Rune and Odor, and I said to Frank, 
Am I crazy if I like Rooned Odor? He goes, honestly, I haven't even looked at second baseman yet. He comes in this morning. He's like, dude, I am in on Rooned Odor. I'm like, see? There's a lot to like there. And it was just two guys, again, we stumbled upon completely, completely separately, and we both really liked it. That's just obviously middle-round guys, guys that I don't think are hype guys at the moment that aren't costing you all that much. And we'll talk more, and we'll talk to you, of course, about some of the superstars that we prefer and the order that we want to do the early-round guys in. Uh, but as Frank just mentioned, there's a lot of really talented hitters in that second round that we're going to jump upon. That we're going to jump upon. Uh, we both really like uh, the pitchers early. And when it comes to auction draft strategy, I'm excited to talk to when you talk to Ian Khan next week, where I'm sure you'll have a lot of auction draft strategy there. Because maybe we should need lessons from Ian Khan, who continues to dominate our auction and do well. Um, destroyed our league yeah, last he destroyed year. Destroyed the GDD so, league last year. So maybe guys. you can get he some hit on a lot of mid, uh, you know, mid value guys. So maybe we can get some strategy advice from him. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, Ian Khan, fan of the program, friend of the program. I'm sure he'll be down to come on. I know specifically next week he wants to talk a lot about his dynasty rankings. He but if we could also uh, talk to him about auction strategy before our draft, that would be very helpful. <laughs> I'm sure that we'll get Ian Khan in at some point to, to do an auction strategy show, which makes sense because we could pick his brain and help the audience, but it also will help us in the auction because you know we want to be like Ian Khan. We want to be winners. Yes. Next week, by the way, star-studded lineup. Give it to me. Without Greg Sussman in next week. Give it to me. Confirmed, I have uh, Matt Modica on Monday, Skype. He's going to be here. I want to talk. I really want to talk about the first round with, with Modica a lot um, and talk I'm gonna, about. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen in. So I'm going to have yes. critiques that I may text you whenever I listen to it. So I'm going I'm to. I don't want to promise I'm going to listen live, but I will be listening or watching at some point. Yeah, so Modica. Plays a lot on NFBC. He does a lot of high-stakes yes. drafts. And on NFBC, they have this thing called KDS. It's Kentucky Derby style. You basically put in order all 15 picks in what order you want them. And then that's how the order is generated, based on who has what pick highest. So that's kind of a strategy. Slotting. I'll, I'll get into, yeah, I'll get into with Modica. I will go through the first round, uh, which pick looks like the best this year, or what that's range great. looks like the best this year. I got Chris Venture coming up here next uh, next week, one day. I know he's been dying to talk a little bit baseball. Uh, his early sleeper breakout first baseman, Josh Bell, could talk to him about that. I know he plays a lot in points league, so yes. maybe that show will be more uh, geared towards points league strategy uh, and looking at hitters who don't strike out as much, who have good OBP and walk a lot. I know that's why he likes Josh Bell. I also have Ian Khan on Wednesday coming in to talk about his dynasty ranking, so we'll go into uh, dynasty keeper a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, how should you draft if you're in a startup dynasty? Because I feel like that's a question people have all Great the time. question. And then I also have Andy Singleton coming in of Razball. He also does the, uh, the fantasy baseball show. He does great work with Prospect Jesus. Um, so we'll have him in either Thursday or Friday. I haven't figured out which day yet. Um, and I could talk anything with him. I could talk prospects. I could talk, you know, breakouts for this year, whatever is on his mind. So uh, it's going to be a fun week next week. I haven't found the guest yet for the fifth day. I'm trying to make it someone special. I'll figure it out. Absolutely. It's going to be a really, really fun week without me. I'm, I'm, I'm a, honestly, I'm happy to be going away. I'm visiting my mom in Florida. So like, I'm, I'm happy to go away and get away for a few days and not be sick. Obviously, I was out. You What's know, your mom's name? Leslie. Leslie! Yeah, I was out a few weeks ago I don't with think the I flu, ever knew that, which, which stunk. But like, I know your dad's name is Rob. Yeah. Rob Sussman. Rob Sussman. Which flows well. Mm-hmm. Sockster. Les- Man. Uh, Leslie. I didn't know Leslie. Yeah, you don't know Leslie. Yeah. So anyway, um, I'll be hanging out with her, and I'm super excited to go away, and I'm super excited to just get a break now that football season's over and, and right in the middle of basketball season uh, during the All-Star break. But 
I'm excited about baseball, man. I, I really, really am. And like, it hasn't hit the spot where like in January, July, where I'm just like, all right, I'm done with baseball. Um, not last year. Last year, I was in the whole way. Mm-hmm. But I'm pumped, man. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it because this is the best time of the year. Everyone, it's the best time of the year. You know, everybody loves to draft, and that's why you know I've been. I want to make sure that I'm doing a best ball draft at all times throughout the draft season, just see so I can change. see where people are changing and where people are going. And they're only ten dollar drafts, so it's honestly like good practice too, just to like see what's going on to to prep yourself for your home league, which might be you know a bigger, a higher stakes draft, or if you play in the NFBC. Or, you know, if you have a big auction that you need to do and you want to kind of get a feel for how people are valuing certain players, I'm going to continue to do best ball drafts uh, throughout the draft season just to get an idea of where things are going. Uh, I know a good, a good buddy of uh, the program. He's been, a long t- he's been a listener since, I don't know, last year, the past couple of years. Uh, John Legatza. Yes. He's going to join us at some point this week oh, that's a good to one. talk about this best ball strategy. Because he, he's been doing a lot of best ball. He's got great stuff, too, um, that he's been posting on Twitter. MLB Moving Averages is his uh, is his Twitter account. Make sure to check him out because he's got some crazy stuff going on. MLB Moving AVG is the Twitter. He's got, like, these crazy graphs going on. Jim Ross suggests Friday, Friday with Ronis. Maybe. We'll be back maybe, after this. Maybe. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day. 10 an hour. One person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621. 866-484-9621. That's 866-484-9621. Scout Fantasy Sports. I think real baseball and fantasy baseball are very different. Jim Bowden may be a brilliant general manager, but he struggles in fantasy baseball. A lot of people know the players. They can break it down and they can tell you everything, but that's only part of it. Part of this is roster construction, and I think that's where a lot of people failed. Whether they're taking their favorite guys, they're taking their sleepers, and they're not looking at where they stand in the categories. That's the most important part. Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Going from uh, Robbie Williams there to Michael Jackson. Very nice. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We've given you our plan, we've given you our schedule, and we've kind of given you 
uh, a whole overview of what we like and what we want to do for baseball season. Now let's talk about some players. Can you moonwalk, Greg? Speaking of Michael Jackson? I know you've tried. You've definitely tried. It's funny that you said that because it's a big controversy right now. You have no idea what we're talking about. Obviously, you don't watch the news, but like, it's a big... <laughs> Why are you going to say it like that, Greg? A big I mean, you're not that, wrong, but... There's a, there's a big thing going on. Did Donald Trump like try to moonwalk or something? Not related to Donald Trump. So the governor of Virginia, this dude Ralph Northam, it came out that in his like, med school yearbook, he was in a picture like on his page, on like the Ralph Northam page in the yearbook. It was a picture of him and somebody else in blackface and in a KKK outfit. That's not good. So that's not great. So he came no, out. it's not. He came it's out like on last Friday and was like, yeah, that, that, that was me in the picture. I regret it, blah, 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 blah. And then on Saturday, he's like, no, that wasn't me in the picture. That was like a wrong picture. And I'm like, what? But I was in blackface in San Antonio in 1984. And they're just like, what? So yeah, I tried to dress up like Michael Jackson. That's what I'm getting to. Uh, I was about to say, like, this is a really, really long way of you telling me whether or not you can moonwalk. I, 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 that was the original question. Sorry, I'm just telling you this. Not, so the point was, right? So yeah, I dressed up as Michael Jackson. I moonwalked. So someone in the crowd goes, can you still moonwalk? In the meanwhile, there's a massive press conference over the governor of Virginia dressing up as a, in blackface. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I go, can you still moonwalk? And the dude smiles and he's about to do it. And his wife's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's like, oh, my wife's telling me it's inappropriate to do it right now. I'm just like, how are you still the governor of this state? Oh my God. Where is that? Virginia. So since then, by the way, the Attorney General of Virginia came out today. He was like, yeah, I dressed up in blackface back in the day. I'm just like, and the Lieutenant Governor, I was accused of sexual assault. So things going really well in Virginia at the moment. You know, I, I just didn't even realize that I was doing it, but I just did the, the gif of the guy like, that one. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> like the I know guy exactly what you're talking about, yeah. So can you moonwalk, Craig? <laughs> I mean, you know what? You avoided the question. Right, so... No, not really, but I got... Yes, of course, I've tried. Yeah. Everyone's tried to moonwalk. I felt like I could do when I was younger. Eh, I'm not going to try. You want to try? You want to give the people... I don't. No, we tried to floss. I tried to floss. It went very poorly. <laughs> didn't go very well. So since Next then... Next thing you know, we'll be a gif, uh, a gif or a meme. Great picture of Corey Great picture of Corey Invention yesterday. Check out Frank hey, Stanfield's Twitter uh, for that picture. All right, Charlie Morton. Le I didn't want to get into Charlie oh, Morton. Tra yet. Whoever you want. I, I, wanted, I, wanted to, I wanted to start... Higher than Charlie Morton. As I said last year, I drafted um, in the 11th or 12th-ish round, I, I drafted Patrick Corbin because he was your guy last year. You were very high on Patrick Corbin. And the way I did it on, on this particular team that I'm thinking about is I drafted Florio's guy in Blake Snell, and then I drafted your guy in Patrick Corbin. And in all honesty, Frankie, you couldn't have been more right when it came to Patrick Corbin. Yeah, obviously, we all get things wrong, but like Corbin was one of the guys you were very, very high on last year. Um, you, you sold me on multiple guys last year. You sold me on Nick Castellanos also, even though you didn't draft him. Um, yeah, should have. But Patrick Corbin, obviously fantastic last year, turned it into a big-time contract with the Washington Nationals this offseason. I'll read you the stats for Corbin. 11-7 with a 3.15 ERA. If you're a FIP and an ex-FIP guy, it was less than even that 3.15 ERA. 2.47 FIP. 2.61 XFIP. What changed? Well, his K per nine was way better than ever with an over 11 K per nine. The next highest in his career in the major leagues was the year before, 8.45. Now, it had been getting better pretty consistently, but nothing like that. The walk rate, well, it was fantastic, 2.16. The best previously in his career was 1.80, but that was in a shortened season. Last year, in, his, in a full season, 2.16 was the walk rate. Home run per nine, way down at 0.68. The Babbitt, 
Certainly less than ever, but not like a crazy Babbitt. Babbitt was still over 300. Yes, it was less than um, any time in his career um, ever, but still not like a, a crazy wild Babbitt. Left on base percentage, 74%. Not crazy. Home run to fly ball ratio. He's a big number for you. Less than ever at 11%. Hazard Corbin was phenomenal last year. But Frank, as you like to point out, we don't care about last year. We care about projecting this year and beyond. What do you think about Patrick Corbin in 2019? Where is he going? What does everybody think? And most importantly to me, what do you think? So Patrick Corbin, people are buying in. And you have to pay a, a pretty penny to, to be in on Patrick Corbin this year with an ADP of 50.09. Some other starting pitchers that are going uh, just behind him include James Paxton, Jamison Tyone, Steven Strasburg, Mike Clevenger, Zach Greinke, Jack Flaherty. Those are the, the, the five, six that are going... Right behind Patrick Corbin. Seems like, just just judging by yeah. what you said, it seems like the right spot, to be fair. Yeah, based on how he performed last year. And look, he's going to a better park. He's going to Washington. Uh, it's a better pitcher's park. Even last year, the park factors for Chase Field. I mean, uh, there were more runs. There were more home runs there. Uh, he doesn't have to pitch in Colorado anymore a couple of times per year. He doesn't have to pitch against the Rockies anymore. Uh, he's moving over to Washington and the NL East where he's going to get to face the Miami Marlins. He pitches in a better ballpark. He's going to get to face the Mets, which they've completely revamped their lineup. I don't know that they're murderers row by any means. Um, the Phillies have a very good lineup, um, and then the Braves have a pretty good lineup as well. So it's a little bit... Hot and cold there, pitching in, in the NL East. I like the ballpark. You get the Marlins, you get the Mets, but you also do have to pitch against the Braves and the Phillies, which I don't really like all that much. Patrick Corbin last year basically developed a slider, which was otherworldly. In terms of like pitcher pitch values, Fangraphs has this thing, pitch values, um, where they basically weight how great a pitch was for, I mean, they take into as many factors as you can think of, uh, you know, how many whiffs you get, uh, how effective the pitch is in terms of batting average against, uh, slugging percentage, isolated power. According to them, his slider was the fourth best pitch in all of baseball last year among starting pitchers. It was the, it was the best, it was the second best slider in all of baseball behind only Max Scherzer. My problem with this slider is he did throw it more. He threw it about... 3% more than the year before. In 2017, he threw the pitch 38% of the time. Last year, he threw the pitch 41% of the time. But the thing is, if you look even deeper, and what I've read about it, is that it didn't change that drastically, the pitch itself, in terms of how much movement it had, in terms of velocity, how much depth he was getting on the pitch. The pitch. So it didn't move all that much, and he only threw it about 3-4% more than the year before, yet his results were drastically, drastically different. So that gives me a little bit of concern there, because but like, should, are, should, are you buying it, in on that pitch? If, it, if by all like, means it didn't change all that much, why are we trusting it? So Could I think, it be an anomaly? No, so I, I don't think so. Like To me, when you tell me that, and you give me that stat... I don't think it's an anomaly because I was looking at his game logs, and yeah, he, I mean, he had a slump in May, but like, it was pretty consistent throughout the year. What I'm wondering is, Frank, just as Patrick Corbin has gotten older, maybe the pitch selection just got better. Maybe he was able to hide it 
a bit more. Maybe he was able to just learn how to pitch and understand when to use the slider more. I mean, and he used it only 3 or 4% more, but like when to use it rather than kind of just throwing it whenever. I, I see this, what you're telling me, as a sign of a maturing pitcher and a guy that maybe has just figured out how to pitch a little bit. That could definitely be the case. And look, the underlying factors there, like the skills, I'm telling you, downstairs when I was looking into Patrick Corbin today, there was a lot to like. Yeah. You know, when we reference FIP and XFIP, these are ERA indicators which take into account. Um, so it means, it, so, so what does it mean, FIP? FIP Fiel- is fielding, fielding independent, independent pitching. pitching. And, what, and what's the difference between FIP and XFIP? So the difference between FIP and XFIP is basically it takes out defense as a factor it's basically a weighted scale like what your era should be if your defense was league average or and that's what makes it lower or higher than your era it it tries to take fielding as a variable out out of era it tells you what your era should be if fielding weren't a variable right and xfit basically does it, it it creates your era what your era should be based on a league average home run to fly ball ratio. So taking kind of, I guess, luck uh, or luck or unluckiness out of the equation when it, when it uh, comes to how many home runs you gave up. And that's why you'll hear a guy like Masahiro Tanaka might have a four ERA and his XFIP is going to be like 3.2 because his home run to fly ball ratio is much higher than everyone else because he pitches in Yankee Stadium. Right. So it tries to take some of these things which are not really controlled by the pitcher, like the defense behind them or basically where they pitch and how many home runs they're allowing, their home run to fly ball ratio. It kind of, it takes those things out as variables and tells you how lucky or unlucky a pitcher was getting. What do you like better, FIP or XFIP? I use a combination of everything. Okay. Because I don't, you know, I know Modica used to come on and say he liked XFIP more, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I like to take, there's FIP, there's XFIP, there's Sierra, which is skill interactive ERA, which uh, takes more into account uh, the skill of your uh, of specific pitches and stuff. So, like, you could take all these different ERA indicators and, you know, I'll use all of them. I'm not just going to use one of them. I, you know, does one hold weight more than the other? Like, it depends who you ask. You could ask 10 people and get 10, 10 different answers. So, I, I try and use uh, as many of these, you know, ERA indicators as I possibly can. So, I'm going to look at FIP, XFIP, Sierra, and then I'm also going to look at ERA and kind of see how they compare. Just because a pitcher's FIP or XFIP is lower all the time doesn't mean that the ERA is ever going to get there either. Sure. Look at a guy like Chris Archer. Right. As good as everyone wants Chris Archer to be, and you might have this image in your head of Chris Archer being awesome, the past two, three years, his ERA has been over four. Every single season, his FIP and his XFIP are much lower than his ERA. That reminds me, that reminds me of... John Gray, who's fifth in extra row, always <laughs> lower. If people zero. remember, I mean, me and Florio, that, that was probably one of the most polarizing players. Him and Yoan Moncada, I remember we got into like shouting matches last year over John Gray and Yoan Moncada. John Gray, I mean, yeah, he'd be great if you pitch in an XFIP league, but he pitches in Coors Field. So at some it's point, not changing. at some point, you got to kind of like take the sample for what it is. Like if it's happened for three or four years out of his career, it's more of a trend, something that you should trust. But anyway, I digress, just trying to get into like FIP and XFIP. Patrick Corbin's ERA last year was 3.15. He was very, very good. He was a Cy Young candidate. He was amazing. He had 240 strikeouts, 246 strikeouts in 200 innings pitched. His FIP was 2.47. His XFIP was 2.61. So based on 
variables that might be out of Patrick Corbin's control, his ERA should have been even better than what it was. There's a lot of good and bad. I mean, uh, his K per nine, over 11 last year. His walks, 2.16, one of the best marks of his career. Those numbers, Greg, they got even better in the second half. His, his K per nine in the second half went up to, I believe in the first half it was right around 10, in the second half it was like 11 and a half. And his walks per nine were under two. He was phenomenal, and he, and he still got you know 48% ground balls. One of the things you do have to worry about is hard hit rate, 41.7% last year. So he's giving up a lot of hard contact. Uh, it was the second most among starting pitchers last season behind only Cole Hamels. You don't really view Cole Hamels as like one of the best starting pitchers in the league anymore. So if your hard hit rate is you know, ranging up there among some of the highest in the league with a guy like Cole Hamels, I mean, you got to take all these things into account. Like, you have to pay a fourth, fifth round price tag for Patrick Corbin this year. You want to know, am I going to get the pitcher who pitched last year? Am I going to get anything close to it? Something else that jumps off the screen to me, Greg, the fastball velocity. 90.8 miles per hour last year. In 2017, 92.4. And that was something that we noticed. The first month of the season, remember, he was pitching 92, 91 miles per hour. And then we kind of went through this stretch where we were really worried about Corbin really last year. Really worried, yep. Because he was pitching 89. Mm-hmm. He was touching 90. But he was consistently like below 90. So him throwing the slider 41% of the time. And by all accounts, what people say about the slider as a pitch in baseball is it puts, it puts more torque on your arm than any other pitch. Who's to say him throwing his slider 40, 41% of the time is kind of messing with his arm? You know, devaluing the fastball. He's throwing, he's throwing he, he, he has had Tommy, he has had Tommy John before he as has. well. I just, want to, I just want to note that. Yes, but look, as good as everything was, I like Patrick Corbin, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm a skeptic. That's, that's how I will label what I'm seeing from last year. And I, I liked him last year because he was going outside the top 30 starting pitchers. You were getting him at a good value. Uh, it doesn't, like, if you have him in a keeper or Dynasty League, yes, you could still be excited about him if you have him at a good value. Fourth, fifth round, with some of those other names that I mentioned, and I haven't done my starting pitcher rankings, so, you know, come March, I'll know whether or not I like Patrick Corbin at that value, at starting pitcher. But as of right now, I'm a skeptic. There's a lot that I liked. He got more, he, he, look, the skills definitely improved. He was getting more swinging strikes. He was, you know, pounding the, the zone in terms of first pitch strike percentage. He was getting ahead in the count. He was getting people to chase. He had a 38% outside swing rate last year. Um, by all means, that slider was absolutely legit. But I, I just question why. Why was it so good if the movement on it didn't change, if he only used it 3 or 4% more than the year before? Why was it so much better? And to me, if there's no evidence, it strikes me as an anomaly. And then you put on top the hard hit rate and the, the, the fastball velocity being down with Patrick Corbin. I'm a skeptic. It's a high price to pay in the fourth, fifth round. So the one word, if I'm understanding, the one word you would use to describe Patrick Corbin, I don't think I'm going to make this a thing, by the way, that I'm always going to sum it up with one word. The one word that you would use to describe, to describe Patrick Corbin is skeptical. Yeah. And it, it almost fe- seems unfair to say, because there is, there is a lot to like, but there's a lot that jumps off the screen, uh, screen in terms of you know, things that you should worry about, too. The guys that you, you know, the guys that you just named: Jameson Tyon, James Paxton, uh, Zach Grinky. Where does how would you rank those guys? How would Patrick Corbin fall among those players? 
Yeah, Paxton. I might want. I'm more skeptical on Paxton. Yeah, Paxton is. We talked about Paxton and I got scared off. Yeah, the fact that you know he was pitching uh, to more fly ball contact. He's going into Yankee Stadium. Yes, he got more strikeouts last year, but he did allow you know more hard contact. He's moving from Safeco Field to Yankee Stadium. Um, yeah, I mean he might be better on like a per start basis than Patrick Corbin. It might have more upside in that regard. But Patrick Corbin did just go 200 innings. So he's probably a little bit more, he's probably a little bit safer than James Paxton. I agree. Um, Jameson Tyone, I really, I, I got I to do my homework on, on Jameson Tyone because he started throwing a slider last year for the first time. And I've tweeted out these numbers before. And basically once he started throwing that slider consistently, he was a high twos, low threes ERA kind of pitcher. The thing is, like, he didn't have close to the same upside that a Patrick Corbin did. Like, he wasn't getting, like, 11 Ks per nine. He was getting, like, 9 Ks per nine. He was getting a strikeout per inning. Um, so, I like him. I think he's very solid. I think, you know, 45 to 50% ground ball rate for Tyone. I like him a lot. Yeah, I got to do more. Okay. I got to do more. I, I would say, as of right now, if you're drafting right now, I'm skeptical of Patrick. That's the word. Skeptical. I think I'm a little more in on Patrick Corbin probably than you. I think I believe it a little bit more, but I hear where you're coming from. When we come back, we'll talk about an Astro and a former Astro. Stick around. More of your BFFs after this. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Rain this! Make it rain. What kind of person, when you are about to go into battle, goes up and blows that much smoke up Bill Belichick's without it first having played the game? Like, are you serious? You're a total fanboy, man. You cannot have that attitude in the NFL, especially going up against a guy like Bill Belichick and expect to win. Do we get the part where he then asks him for his autograph? Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Just going to the rumor mill before we get into uh, Charlie Morton. Uh, San Francisco Giants have met with Bryce Harper in <laughs> Vegas. 
their owner, general manager, um, and of course, Bruce Bochy were there. And then afterwards, they went on Scott Boris's private jet and Farhan Zaidi and um, Boris met for a while. Guys are rich, man. They have a ton of money. Obviously, they were brutal. even waste your time, though. Like, why do you waste everyone's time? Giants are not signing him, Greg. Okay. I mean, look they at the, the of state money. of that organization. I agree. It, I mean, they, they need to just tear it down and start over because, I mean, you look at the money that, like, Evan Longoria is owed over it's the next couple of years. Yeah. Madison Bumgarner is entering a contract year. They still have Johnny Cueto on the books. They don't have a good farm system at all. So, like, the state of the San Francisco Giants, I know that they went through, I, you know, I would consider them and probably the Red Sox, unfortunately, the two baseball teams that you might consider a dynasty in in this millennium. Because, what, the Giants have won sure. three World sure. Series? Yeah, yeah, of course, absolutely. They were, I mean, they were great. And the thing is, a lot of those players got old. They've moved on. I mean, Buster Posey isn't the player that he once was. Right. By the way, speaking of the Giants, I'm kind of upset that Christian Arroyo is, like, not good. I mean, he was injured a lot last year, so maybe he will wind up being good. He's in Tampa Bay now, Greg. Yeah. He was traded yeah. in the Evan Longoria trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was their former top prospect. So you're talking about their prospects yeah, yeah. not being good. And I but they've, um, yeah, I don't know if Christian Arroyo's ever going to get a shot. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's disappointing because I felt like he could have been a good player. But he never really had a tool that was that kind of jumped off the page Correct. for like a fantasy perspective. Like yeah. He wasn't a guy that hit 350 in the minors. He mm-hmm. didn't have big power. He didn't steal a lot of bases. He kind of did everything like all right. Yeah. I think he just kind of got hyped up because, and this is what best, we're talking about. The Giants he had. was the best in the Giants organization, but their their farm was terrible. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what does that mean if you're the best in a bad farm? Well, that's system? what you see, the Yan- you, you see that with the Yankees a lot, right? Their price prospects would get hyped up because it was the best they had in a terrible, terrible Yeah, and for system. a long time, like, there was a 10-year stretch where the Yankees' farm system was brutal. Yeah. The killer bees, right? Ben Walos. Batances turned into a great reliever. He was supposed to be a starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. I mean, so was Mariano Rivera, so... Doesn't necessarily count, but like a lot of a lot of the, these hyped up guys, you really have to take it into a, into context. Just because you're the best prospect in an organization, if the organization is a bad farm system, it really just doesn't matter. By the way, I'm totally gonna be back in on Avaseo Garcia with the race. I know I am. <laughs> Why? I can't quit him. <laughs> One of these guys. It's a good place. That's a, a good place to uh, to continue going here. I'll probably Tampa Bay race. Absolutely. That's that's. Kind of why I'm here. You see, you see what I did there? Looking at you're looking at their roster resource page or something. Uh, yes. You can't bash <laughs> roster resource and then use it all. The I time. just wanted to see what was going on with, with that. Like Austin Meadows. Like I could definitely see myself buying an Austin Meadows. Yeah, the fun. They're always fun. Tyler Glasnow. I want to talk about at some point. Like maybe Glasnow will be good. But Matt Modica just drafted him like the 11th round, which seems kind of early. But if Matt Mod- if there's a guy that I trust when it comes to starting pitching, it's Modica. You mean because you the past that? couple of years when he's had a guy. That guy's been awesome. Last year it was Garrett Cole. The year before that it was James Paxton. He loved Aaron Nola last year too. Like Modica, when it comes to pitching, I mean. So if you don't mind on Monday, like asking, none. asking him, number one, who that guy is this year. Number Definitely. two, asking about Tyler Glass. No, I'd really appreciate it. I want to get a thought on Patrick Corbin too because now I've, I've piqued my own interest. Sure. I want to know how other people feel about it. But Patrick I just want you to ask like those questions for me. Last now and last now and who his guy is who is like okay. this year's Paxton essentially. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I'll talk about whatever draft he's doing right now. Yeah, yeah, obviously, obviously. An NFBC. So I'm used to like knowing everybody who's going to take like who's taking this guy in a million drafts. I don't know who that is yet. So we also, but like I also should real should realize and note that this Monday starts Mondays with Modica. It doesn't end Mondays with Modica. It just starts it. 
Right? Yeah. Hopefully, we can have him on every Monday as a regular guest. And it doesn't have to be the entire show, but right. we can get him on for a second. Anything. I just, I just need to know. I just need to know. <laughs> I but need to talk to Modica. I need my fix. The Rays made a rare big ticket signing uh, this offseason where they signed Charlie Morton uh, for two years and a ton of money. Charlie it's Morton. It's funny that when you say big ticket, though, that's like their big money. ticket signing. It's a lot of money. Wasn't it like them. two years, 20 million? Really not that big of a contract. Two years, 30 million. Oh, 30 million. All right. I was off by 10. Pretty, pretty it's drastic. A big, it's a big difference. Fifteen million dollars AAV for a thirty-five-year-old pitcher. All right. Yeah, I mean, you don't normally see Tampa Bay uh, make a move like that. Yeah, two years, thirty million. When's the last time they signed anybody. Well, they usually sign like somebody for like very little money. Yeah, like they're a cleanup hitter, G-Man Choi. Exactly. <laughs> Gosh, it's <laughs> nothing, so Tampa Bay. Nothing like this though. Now Charlie Morton. Everybody knows the story, right? Like, guy's 35 years old. He's been around the league forever. Uh, when he went from the Braves to the Pirates, he's like, all right, Ray Searage, I like, I like what's happening here. Didn't really happen. Then he went over to the Astros, and you're like, okay, he's with the Astros. Now what could happen? Well, in 2017, he went 14-7. and seven. Um, His K-9, was, which is always good, went to 10. He started walking less people. The ERA very, was not very good. It was good at 3.62. Last year, even better. He went 15 and 3. K per 9 went up to 10.83. Walks uh, also went up to 3.45. The ERA really went down to 3.13, although the XFIP and FIP remained right around where his ERA was a year ago. Charlie Morton is a 35 year old guy that's kind of leaving the confines of Houston and goes over to Tampa, and it makes you a little bit nervous. But where he's going, which is where, Frank? He is going at pick 122. He's the 32nd starting pitcher off the board right now. So as the 32nd pitcher off the board, it's not like you're paying an exorbitant amount for him or anything like that. But you're wondering if he could be what he's been the last two years or be what it was the two years prior to that where he had an over four ERA in both of his seasons with Philadelphia, 4.81 in 2015, 4.15. I'll bet with an excellent FIP and XFIP in 2016. Who is the real Charlie Morton, Frank? is the real Charlie Morton? Well, that's what we're going to have to figure out because Houston, basically, for all intents and purposes, they've turned into the new Pittsburgh Pirates in terms of taking a starting pitcher and making said starting pitcher amazing, right? Justin Verlander, as great as he was, he, you know, he had a few seasons where he's kind of, he, he bounced back with Detroit, but never to the level that he's done with Houston. And then you see a guy like Garrett Cole also go over to the Houston Astros. Again, he had a few fine seasons with uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and he was a former top prospect and was supposed to be amazing, but kind of ran into some tough times with Pittsburgh. Goes over to Houston last year, amazing. Same thing happened with Charlie Morton the past two seasons. From, 28, from 2008 to 2015, Greg, 4.54 ERA, 6.28 Ks per nine, 3.38 walks per nine. He was basically a pitch-to-contact 55% ground ball guy, uh, fastball, change, uh, curveball, changeup, threw his fastball 66% of the time, only threw his curveball 20%, uh, threw a changeup 9%. One of the biggest differences that we've seen, 91.6 miles per hour from 2008 to 2015 on his fastball. Right. 91.6. A 7.7% swinging strike rate for all his pitches. The past two seasons, his fastball velocity has been 95.4 miles per hour. As he's gotten older. As he's gotten older. And we've heard that a philosophy of the Houston Astros has come out, something that they tell their pitchers to do is basically throw the ball as hard as you can. Right. Like, don't worry about it. We, we're not worried about, you know, if you got to go in the DL at some point, 
And you've seen that the past couple of years for Charlie Morton. You can't really project him for more than 150 or 160 right. innings pitch. Mm-hmm. It's basically where he's been. But hey, when you're on the field, when you're on that mound, we want you to throw the ball as hard as possible. But we, we did see a little bit of that before he went to Houston. You remember that season, Greg. Back in 2016, he joined the Phillies for about four starts. And he, um, I forgot what the injury was, but he, he, he suffered a season-ending injury. That preseason, everyone was kind of talking to Charlie Morton like, this guy's throwing with serious velocity as part of the Phillies organization. So this is something that we were already starting to see even before he joined Houston. For whatever reason, whoever he worked with, uh, his fastball shot up to 94 miles per hour in 2016 in only four starts with the Phillies. But it was something that people were legitimately talking about throughout the spring training uh, that year. And his swinging strike rate went up to 12%. So we were already starting to see this change. Um, the biggest change, uh, another change that I've seen in you know early Charlie Morton to the past two seasons is he throws his curveball uh, 29% of the time rather than 20%. So it's up 9% the past two years. And then um, he also throws a, uh, a cutter now, 8.6% of the time. He really has like four different like iterations of a fastball. He has a four-seamer. He has uh, a cutter, a sinker, and he has a, a split fastball that he throws as well. So he has four different fastballs. He throws a very effective curveball. Um, he limits hard contact. You know, he's been, you know, under 32, 33% the past couple of seasons. Can he carry that over to Tampa Bay? If there, I said this to Venture Downstairs. If there was one organization that Charlie Morton could change to going away from Houston, to me, I would want it to be Tampa because they are a forward-thinking organization. They have you know, one of the better analytics departments going from you know, starting uh, closer, uh, relievers last year, having the opener, and then kind of like throwing everybody off, getting the most out of a guy like Blake Snell, you know, getting him on track, turning him into a Cy Young Award winner the way that they did. If there was one organization that he could go to, I like the fact that he went to Tampa. With all that being said, uh, the change in division, he has to pitch against the Red Sox, he's got to pitch in Fenway, he's got to go to Yankee Stadium. I still do like Charlie Morton, and I still think that he can be a good source of strikeouts. I, I think the ERA rises a little bit. I think it's a fair projection. I don't know that he's in the 3-4, the 3-5 three, three, range. Maybe he's more 3-6, three, 3-7 three, now this year, Greg. But I do think that he'll still be a source of strikeouts this year. Um, over a strikeout per inning, I think he could be close to 10. Uh, he's still going to walk some guys, but the whip the past couple of years has uh, still been pretty good. It's been under 1.20 the past couple of years. I think, you know, 3.6, 3.7 ERA, 1.2... 1.25 whip uh, is fair. Is it worth the 30-second starting pitcher off the board? I could probably find guys that I like better. I think he's a better roto pitcher. I think he's a better head-to-head categories pitcher because uh, in, in points leagues, you want guys that are going to be durable, that are going to give you innings, going to go deep into their starts. Uh, I do think probably Morton is more in that mold of like a Rich Hill. What did Mike always say about Rich Hill? He's a great roto pitcher because of what he does on a per-start basis. That's, that's how Charlie Morton strikes me. I tend to agree with you. I'm just nervous as he continues to get older, as he does change leagues in the AL East now. I'm concerned about the injuries. I'm concerned about what that workload will be like with the Rays. Now, with Blake Snell, listen, they let him throw 100 pitches every time out. And it wasn't a thought process. Like Blake Snell was treated as a normal starting pitcher for the most part. Will they treat Charlie Morton like that? You'd hope so after giving him two years for $30 million. Um, 
I have concerns with Charlie Morton. I like him. I don't love him. Frankie, if you have to give me one word to describe Morton, what would it be? Mm. The first thing that came to my mind was surprising, but I think that's just like how he's been the past couple of years. It's not really how I feel about him heading into this year. You know, I put this as one of the options on the poll for today and involving Charlie Morton. Man. I think that's how I feel about him. Okay. I, he'll he'll still be a good source of strikeouts on a per start basis. I do like that, but again, I think the ERA jumps a little bit. The fact that he has to see Boston New York. more, he has to see the yeah. Yankees more. I mean, these are tough. He got to face the DH now, obviously. Got to we'll face see, the DH. We'll see ultimately that comes so to the he, National you know, League as well. Yeah. No, well, he's always faced a DH, being uh, with the Astros. Oh, that's, I forgot the Astros in the American yeah. League now. Unbelievable. I, I think the ERA rises a little bit. I think he's more in like the three six to three seven range. He's a serviceable starting pitcher. Under fifty to 160 uh, innings pitch. What you really want him for is the strikeouts. But me personally, I'm not expecting the same Charlie Morton that we've seen the past two years with the Houston. With that, we're going to sign off of YouTube for today. Uh, Corey, Jim, and Ventura, they're up next. Fantasy Football Frenzy, uh, they come your way next. Rate, subscribe, like, and leave a comment, please. Five stars, we'd sincerely appreciate it. Before we get to Wade Miley, uh, I do want to go to the phone lines here, Frank, at 844-843-6879. I want to go to Kevin in Missouri. How are you doing, guys? Doing great, Kevin. What's up, man? Hey, sorry to call back, but um, the 2019 Chiefs schedule has came out, and I do not get... Why are we playing in New England again? That is ridiculous, I think. And you know what? It's our turn for them to come to Arrowhead and play us at Arrowhead in a regular game. You know, with with uh, the Patriots schedule, they're going to go play at Buffalo and they're going to go play at Cincinnati Bengals. Like, okay, what's the deal with that? That is not a game at all. They need somebody that they can go to and try to be at their home stadium, not no team that cannot play football. The Chiefs get rigged every season, and this is why the Chiefs have not been to the Super Bowl, because that you know the NFL is rigged. Or, or you know, they weren't good enough in the last game of the season against the Patriots at home at our, at our head stadium. Either one. Well, they had but a great record question- this year as well, so aren't they going to face a tougher schedule? I, I do hear what you're saying about how they had to, to travel to face the Patriots this past year. They so- lost at home! Uh, we're not talking about the playoffs. Though, I don't right? care. We're talking about you can't the tell me that it's rigged against the Chiefs when they were at home in the playoffs and they lost. It, the deal is, is, though, is, you know, yeah, we lost. Yeah, teams screw up. But it's a new year. We're ready for them to come play at Arrowhead. It's not we're because it, it's not because they're screwing them. It, there's a there's a reason for that. I don't know the reason when it comes to NFL schedule scheduling, but there is a reason um, of why you play which team is home in a way. I can look that up, and I will. I can tweet it out. Um, there is a reason for it. It's not getting screwed. There's, there's there is some logic uh, behind that. Eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine. Uh, Frankie, we have a couple minutes left, and that's enough to justify Wade Miley. Uh, Wade <laughs> Miley uh, came over to the Brewers midway through the year. Listen, Wade Miley's not exciting for anybody, but he was awesome for the Brewers. They turned that into a contract this year with the Astros. Any starting pitcher on the Astros is worth talking about, and we're going to get into some of their younger guys um, coming up in the upcoming weeks. What do you think about Wade Miley? So Wade Miley, uh, he's got a... First of all, he's got an ADP in the month of February of 460. So, you know, he's basically going for nothing. If you play in these NFBC leagues, he he has jumped, but you're getting him super late. I do think that any time a pitcher does, you know, move over to the Houston Astros, you have to be at least somewhat 
intrigued. And they've already talked about how they're going to let him throw that cutter as much as he did last year. I know he threw it like 41% of the time. That was by far a career high for him. Uh, whereas, you know, in 2017, he threw it 11% of the time, and that pitch was very effective for him. So a career high 42% cutter usage last year for Wade Miley. I'm intrigued to see what more the Houston Astros can get out of him. Do I have great expectations for him? No. He had a 2.57 ERA last year with the Brewers with the with a, a K per nine under six and uh, three walks per nine. His FIP was 3.59. His XFIP was 4.30. And he still gave up a lot of hard contact. So it's not just, oh, any pitcher that goes to Houston is automatically going to become great, but can Houston kind of get the most out of him and, and, you know, use that cutter a lot and, and, you know, have him throw the ball as hard as he possibly can and, and get the most out of his secondary pitches as well and he can pitch to... I don't know, an ERA under four at pick 460 right now in the NFBC? I think that's certainly doable. I think he could be an, uh, an ERA under four guy, can he? Yeah, I mean, getting picked at 463, I mean, does that cost you literally nothing? No, people are going to get excited about him. The, the be, more that spring tra- especially if he does anything in spring training, it's just for the fact that right. he's moving over to Houston. And, and I mean, have realistic expectations. And as though. you just mentioned with Charlie Morton, all Houston asks you to do is air it out. And Wade Miley can air it out. There could be some level of interest there every good reason. Frenzy's up next. Corey, Jim, and of course, Venture. Thanks to everybody downstairs. Frank Sample. I'm Greg Sussman. Let's do it all again tomorrow. We hope. hope.